0: Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe.
1: back to another episode of the gym lords podcast my name is brie i will be your host today and i am here with sean and ricky from rise gym in tomball texas we've got sean he's the owner and ricky who is the director of operations at rise gym what's up guys how are you today
2: how's it going brie thanks for having us hey brie yep thanks really appreciate it excited to get started
1: good absolutely All right, cool. So let's waste no time here getting into the details. What is it that made you want to own your own gym, Sean? How did you get started? And Ricky, where do you come into play uh, within this operation?
2: That was actually a really great story. But, you know, so I'm I'm a physical therapist and researcher. I also worked as a personal trainer for about four or five years in college. And so I've known since I basically got involved in sports medicine when I was in graduate school, that my kind of end goal was to own my own um, research facility, own my own uh, PT clinic and own my own gym because all of those things are, are pretty complementary and kind of feed into each other. So that's always been like my end goal. That's the reason why I ended up going back um, to pursue a PhD. And um, so that's the we, we never would have imagined that the opportunity uh, for the gym would have come first and in the middle of the pandemic, basically, which is a whole other Crazy story. Um, But because I still work, I still work full time um, doing clinical research. So when the opportunity for the gym came up, uh, I Ricky was a PT technician that worked with me at one of the uh, clinics and he had was literally about to graduate with his with his MBA. And so he was the first person I thought of because I needed somebody that I could trust that that kind of knew me and 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 knew what I was about. I could run the business. So um, but Ricky, you can take it from there. That's kind of when you when you entered the picture.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's kind of funny. I just graduated from grad school, like kind of laying on my couch. I get a phone call from Sean and he's like, Hey, I think opening up a gym. I'm like, You're doing what? Open up (laughs) a gym. And so before I knew it, we were in San Antonio looking at equipment and we just get started. Yeah, it was crazy
1: yeah absolutely okay so now what does the business model look like today how do you structure things um are we doing group classes one-on-one semi-privates what does that all look like kind of walk us through that picture
2: yeah so we've got it's kind of a unique situation so we've got one main gym that's about ten thousand square feet and it's you would, would probably more of a commercial type gym so cardio equipment um, we've got you know all your pin loaded equipment and, and then we've got obviously a, a strength free weight area and then behind like kind of out the back door in a building that's close but not attached we've got a, a barbell area which is uh, about 5,000 square feet of just like power lifting and plate loaded equipment Olympic weightlifting stuff like that so those two kind of gyms coexist with each other um, we've got we're about to open up a room where we're going to be offering group classes, but up until this point, we don't have any any of those. And we've got 15 personal trainers that are all, uh, they, they're they basically contract. Uh, so they are independently owned and operated, and they um, just pay us a flat rental fee to use the gym, and then they can run their own business, basically. And that system has, has worked really, really well for us. Um, and obviously, we can go into more detail on that if if needed, but that's kind of the general sense for how the gym operates right now. We do have a physical therapy, uh, um, a physical therapist that rents out a room from us and treats patients out of there. And we also have a nutrition shop on the first floor that also rents out a small space where they sell protein and stuff like that. So we've got a lot of, a lot of little things (laughs) uh, collectively uh, together, but that's kind of the general basis for how things run.
1: Got it. Okay. All right. Ricky, anything you'd like to add there?
3: We like to consider ourselves a one-stop shop. So, and only thing that Sean missed is that our personal trainers, clients have to be members of the gym. Mm-hmm. So other than that, it's pretty much how we roll.
1: Okay, all right. So um, open memberships within the larger part of the facility, correct? And then for the, is it a second level that you're working on now that you're looking to add the group classes into?
2: So, no, so we're, so we, uh, are going to, we have another room that's, uh, in, in one of the, that building that's close by that we talked about, that's going to be about 1100 square feet that that'll just be for group classes. We're about to, hopefully in the next couple months, we're going to build a 25 by 50 foot mezzanine, basically right. As you walk in the main gym, which will give us extra cardio and stretching space because you know, the, the the gym has gotten busy enough and, and crowded enough that there's just certain, um, kind of points where it gets, it gets backed up, so to speak. And, and one of those points is just the entryway and this like not enough stretching, um, area. So that was what we decided to do to, since we can't build out anymore, we have to build up.
1: <laughs> Got it. Okay. All right. Awesome. So now within the membership, how many members are you currently serving within the facility?
2: So I don't I don't want to go into, I guess, 100 percent of the details, but I will say that, you know, we get about nine thousand uh, visits a month. And mm-hmm. so we're somewhere in the ballpark of between both gyms, you know, 12 to 1400 members um, and some the way that it works is our if if you want to join our barbell section you have to be a member of the main gym so it's like an optional add-on so if you don't want to use any of that equipment or you don't want to go over there then you don't have to bother with it it's not added to your to your membership so um, but yeah that's kind of where we're sitting at at current state
1: okay so now as far as the marketing side of things goes what are you doing to get the word out there about the facility and bring new people in the doors
3: one of our biggest, um, our biggest factors to that is our refer a friend. So what we do is any member who refers a friend to our gym and they sign up, we give them a free membership. So basically that's been very popular for us and very uh, helpful with us and our memberships.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, we've, we've done a, a variety of market. I remember when we first opened, we were doing, I mean, we had like um, mail outs we had, uh, we paid for a, uh, physical mail outs, you know, and then we also paid for, uh, virtual, um, uh, like Facebook advertisements and all those kinds of things. And so now what we found a really good mix is, is basically word of mouth. You know, we have a good location for the gym that definitely helps us quite a bit, a lot of foot traffic and a lot of complimentary services inside the little, um, rental uh, area. And, um, and then we're, we're dabbling a lot more, specifically for our barbell section, which is, I guess, more of a, a unique clientele. It's not your commercial, everyday gym goer. So we're we're doing a lot more with, um, you know, just the normal social media and, and different things like that. So, but, you know, to be honest, my philosophy with a lot of that stuff is just you can't really be afraid to try a bunch of things, and and you know, it's going to work half the time. Probably not even half the time. It's going to work ten percent of the time. But uh, as long as you kind of structure it right, when you find the ten percent that works, you just rinse and repeat. And um, it's been, you know, it's been working really, really well for us. And I think just treating people well too, right? Helps.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing.
2: Amazing how far that goes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) For sure. So definitely always good to have multiple poles in the water, I like to say, Mm. as far as advertising goes, because a lot of the time there's one area that kind of dips down and the other area kind of picks it up. Um, Within the word of mouth and the referrals, we love those. Those are always fantastic. The only issue with that is that it's not necessarily trackable. So it's not something you can rely on on a monthly basis. So that makes it a little bit tough. But if you also have other streams coming in, whether that be through paid advertising, whether that be through organic traffic from Instagram, Facebook posting, whatever it might be, um, it's always nice to have multiple streams of people coming in the doors. So now you said you've done paid advertising before, correct? Mm -hmm. Through Facebook. And Mm -hmm. was that... uh, was that good for you? Did it work well? Did you see a good return there?
2: So the hard part is the first time we tried it was right smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. And so it was really hard to gauge. We Cause literally if you, you know, so I'm a, like I said, I'm a clinical researcher. So statistics and stuff is kind of, that's, that's it. I, I like looking at that stuff. So our, mm-hmm. our gym software allows us to look at all that. And if you literally track our memberships over the course of the last year and a half, we have a COVID spike, <laughs> our our numbers go down. COVID starts to chill out, our numbers go up. And so that complicated a lot of our statistical analysis to be quite honest. Um, but most recently, we've got a... Um, of the trainers that's got some kind of expertise in uh, that kind of marketing and so he's just recently in the last month has been trying some other things and to be honest you know a a little bit too early to tell because it's just kind of a is it just a trend thing but we've we've seen a a really really nice uptick in even the last couple of weeks as far as um, memberships goes and and things like that but you know i think the name of the game really for us has been you know our we we don't our, our um the number of members that stay with us is very very high like the only we don't lose our retention rate is is very very low. very good yeah but, uh, yeah mm-hmm. so which is which is great obviously it's helpful
1: yeah absolutely yeah I mean three ways to grow a business you can get more clients you can get them to pay more and you can keep them longer so uh, it doesn't always necessarily have to be people coming in the doors so along those same lines within the client base that you already have so the clients who are in the facility already are your greatest source of revenue they've bought from you before chances of them buying from you again are much higher than acquiring new clients off the street. So within the facility, what other services are you offering to your clients? Are there any other levels of service, nutrition, accountability, supplementation, retail, anything of that nature?
2: Yeah. So we've got, we've got obviously, you know, retail stuff. So we've got shirts and, you know, different items and things like that. Um, We have a supplement shop, but that's not owned and operated by by us so we don't see any benefit from it but that's um obviously um you know they're they're doing well from the the traffic that we're generating and same thing with the physical therapy one of the things that we've we have so we also have a a vending machines that we use you know just for um you know different protein shakes and different things like that Mm -hmm. uh that's really been the, the thing that me and ricky and some of the other leadership in the in the in our company have been talking about is you know do we start getting into selling you know customizable gym belts and different things like that for just to, to meet the demand of the people that are coming in the door. Um, so to be honest, I see a where I see the future of things going is, is offering a lot more um, almost like sports assessment type of stuff. So, at, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do from a functional assessment standpoint that is a repeatable service, right? Uh, that's not they can choose to do. um you know, any point in time. And so those are the, that's the direction I'd like to go. I would say as of right now, with us being more like, you know, the the biggest number of our clients are all just kind of your commercial gym goer, right? So we almost need to build a facility that caters more towards kind of sports performance before we start, you know, having a a clientele demographic for that. But that's the direction um, that I want to go in.
1: Okay. All right, Ricky, anything you'd like to add there?
2: Um, I mean,
3: me and Sean have kind of a similar background. He he played rugby in college. I played collegiate soccer. And so we both we've always kind of fiend for that kind of athletic environment. Um, just for now with our clientele and with COVID, the safest way was to kind of have the most generalized commercial gym. And so I think long-term or even short-term coming up soon, we're going to start planning to kind of expand to those different type of markets. Awesome.
1: Okay. And um, as far as the supplement shop goes that you mentioned so is that something are you like partnered with another business there how does that work Yeah, so
2: they basically it's just a sublease so they pay they pay rent for we have a uh, you know a contract with them for uh, I think it's two years or one or two years but so they pay us a uh, rent every month and then they um, have access to, you know they have the, the room so to speak and it's got its own storefront so it's kind of unique like okay, yeah so you walk in so if, imagine the gyms, you know, a nice, a long 10,000 square foot block. The front entrance mm-hmm. to the gym is on one side, and then there's a small door, single door on the very far end of the gym that's got its own uh, front, end, and that's uh, the supplement shop. And then there that has a door that walks through back into the gym. So if the gym member, if they're working out in the fruit area, they can look over and see this, the sign for the supplement shop. They can walk through the door, purchase something, walk back out, that kind of thing. So it's, it. uh, it's great because, people that come to the supplement shop to buy supplements that maybe aren't members say, oh, there's a gym here. And so that gives us foot traffic. And then obviously the benefit for the supplement shop is, is, you don't even have to, you know, it's don't have to mention that there's a lot of people coming in the gym and they want to buy protein and things like that. So it's a, it's a great position for them to be in as well.
1: Right. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and then this is something that I wanted to ask about before, uh, when we were talking about the marketing piece. So what is the offer that you're putting out there to draw people in? Um, Is it like a trial or a free consultation? Or what is that offer that you're putting out there?
2: Yeah, I mean, you name it, I think we've done it. So we try to have, you know, every month or so to have a new um, kind of offer. So whether it's, you know, buy three months, get a month free, whether it's, we've tried free personal training sessions with some of our, 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 uh, so we lost Ricky, but free personal training sessions with our, um, um, trainers that need or, are ready to acquire more clients. Uh, we've had all kinds of specials. I mean, um, we've tried literally everything, uh, discounted months. And, and really it's just, we, we talk to people. So like we'll, we'll do a, we'll do a an offer for a period of time and we'll see how it does and then we'll talk to people and it's like hey what would be more enticing or what would you know what would you like to see in an offer we've done you know raffles and uh, just we just got done doing a uh, kind of a social media thing where you know you tag us in the post and we'll give you we give one person I did a drawing for a three month uh, all inclusive membership so stuff like that we've we've tried all kinds of different things.
1: Okay. And do you find that one thing works better over another or Are you still kind of testing those things?
2: Yeah, I think we're still kind of testing, you know, um, I, I would say that the interesting thing that we're now that, so that's the hard part. Like you mentioned before, all of those of offers, it's difficult to track, right? So, because we don't have, it's not like they click on the you know, the ad, and we get some type of idea for how many people clicked on it. This was all just kind of like our own social media, we're spreading the word kind of thing. So, but recently, like I said, with all with with uh, some of the marketing we're doing now, we have a lot more kind of ad sense on what, who, how many clicks we're getting and where those those are actually going and how many leads are turning into, um, you know, actual customers. So that'll probably give us better decision making. Because like I said before, we're basically just going off of like, okay, hey, we tried this ad, This is how many signups we've had this month. But to be completely honest, our growth has been so steady and consistent and consistently good that it's, you know, it's, it's, we even tried a couple of times, like, let's just not do anything. Let's just see, (laughs) let's just see what the, what the natural growth is going to be. And, uh, it's still been good. So it's, um, yeah, we've been blessed in that regard.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So now one thing I always love to ask about are either bottlenecks or key challenges, because typically there are some in any Mm -hmm. business. Um, so what are those for you? What are you currently facing, whether it be challenges or bottleneck bottlenecks right now within the business?
2: Yeah. So lots of challenges every week, uh, you know, (laughs) to be honest, (laughs) to be honest, there there's, there's never a shortage of those. The biggest bottleneck is, is just making sure that we're growing for the future. So like I said, we, You know, I, I estimated that the facility that we're at currently with the size that we're at, we're probably less than a hundred new members away from being at capacity, like any more than that. And I just don't think that we'll be able to comfortably provide the type of, you know, environment that I'd like. So my, Mm -hmm. that's a, the big bottleneck there is, well, okay, we can't build out. So that's why we're trying to, we're trying to build up, which then that creates a big problem because, you know, we just got done talking to, uh, the, the building, uh, um, the construction uh, manager um for basically the for the industrial builder and in order to build this mezzanine we've got to basically block off about a 1200 square foot space which happens to also be the entryway to our gym and uh for three weeks so they can build it and do all so how do we manage all of that with you know keeping our doors open and all those things so um which that's what me, me and Ricky have kind of problem solved through that. But uh, so, so I would say that's the biggest area right now. And and then just trying to make sure that we don't grow too fast. You know, I don't want to, you know, bite off more than I can choose, so to speak. Um, so just making sure that we're from a financial planning standpoint, we're, we're, we're doing the right thing there too.
1: Got it. Okay. All right. So some growth coming up, but it's almost like, so did you say you're less than a hundred people away from capacity right now?
2: Yeah. Like it's yes. Yes. So like if we, if we get a hundred more members, let's say, especially if they're, you know, they're using the gym regularly, we will be very uncomfortable during our busy times. Like we're already uncomfortable during our busy times, but it'll be to the point where, you know, I think we'll probably start losing members. They're just like, I don't want to be here. It's too busy. And that's, that's what I don't want. I don't want that to happen. Um, Mm -hmm. so my plan is now is to, okay, it's, it's kind of like, you know, uh, it's like uh, all the, like a lobster shedding its shell, right? Like it's starting, we're starting to get a little uncomfortable, right? That's kind of the warning sign. Like, okay, we either need to grow or, you know, find, you know, we, or, you know, we just stop growing. I I don't want to, I don't want to get in our own way. So.
1: Right. Okay. Welcome,
2: welcome back, Ricky. (laughs) Sorry about that guys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Um, All right. So kind of making it a, a comfortable almost transition, I mean, to the next level of growth, essentially. Exactly. Okay. So is that what is kind of on on your mind, the main focus for goals? I mean, what are what are the end goals? What are you looking to do? Are you looking to potentially open another facility? Are you looking to really just max out this one facility? What does that all kind of look like?
2: Yeah, so end goal, is to have a research facility attached to that which the good thing about the research facility is that it goes hand in hand with the uh, sports performance. So if we have athletic training facility and you know I would just need a, basically a small office and you know some some a research assistant and some some measures some tools and measures and we could do all kinds of things and have you know all kinds of other services so those kinds of things this, the, the athletic performance piece will start first and then in the future, uh, you know the research stuff will follow. So that's that's the end goal. Um, you know, I don't see a world where we don't at least open up a second location at some point.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, for
2: me, the, it just depends on the timing and the market and and you know making sure, like I said, we don't we don't grow too fast. So you know, there's still a lot of stuff that that I'm still learning about, you know, this is my first real dabble into business um, as much gym experience as I have. It's completely different when it's your own. So from an operation standpoint, you know, me and Ricky are still learning a lot of things. And I think that within the next couple of years, like the next year or two, if the gym is still doing as well as it is, and um, you know, we find another location or the timing is right, then I, I think that another facility would, 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 would definitely be happening. So just whether it's, is it this year or is it, you know, five years from now, we'll see. (laughs) Right.
1: Absolutely. All right. So Ricky, we're talking about uh, growth and goals and kind of the next steps. So from your position, uh, what are your main focuses right now within the business for growth and kind of getting to that next level? Where are you directing most of your attention right now?
3: I think, as just spoke earlier right now, is really focusing on keeping what we have now. And I feel like as we continue to keep those people, their family members are coming in town. We're very popular with um, college kids coming back in town. Uh, we also just partnered with ClassPass. Um, it's like a an organization that allows people to use multiple gym memberships. And hopefully, once we get our group classes up, this will kind of help us get our seats filled. So now we're kind of toying around with that in terms of um, open gyms. We actually have our first couple um I guess, reservations today. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, so I think a couple couple of those little things are coming around and we'll kind of go from there.
1: Awesome. Okay, and what is the timeline on the group classes, the addition of the group classes?
2: Could be like, well, the building's pretty much finished. The room's pretty much ready. I would say it could be anywhere from like starting this week um, to maybe another month or so. The big thing oh. is the timing of the mezzanine. So what I'm going to be using is once when we get all the blueprints and stuff for the mezzanine to be built to offload because we have we have trainers that that use basically when you first walk in the gym it's kind of our open area we've got some seating we've got our front desk we've got um, like some stretch and multi purpose area right there so that's the part we're going to be losing so uh, what my plan is is for our trainers is we'll use the multi purpose room that 1100 square feet as I'll let them use that to train their clients To do, you know, any basically to get people out of the main gym to help offload the the area while it's being built. So what we might do is if the timing works out, I might delay the initiation of the group classes so we can preserve that space for our trainers and and other people to use because we know that whole first you know bay basically 1,100 square feet or so is going to be out of commission for about three weeks. So we're still trying to figure that part out but that just depends on when we hear back from the contractors so
1: got it okay all right so lots of movement happening right now it's yeah, exciting we, but yeah we of- have
2: we haven't uh had a dull moment since we started so no not yeah. at all yeah.
1: <laughs> i bet yeah especially opening did you say you opened during covid or was it post covid or i mean
2: june 2020
1: okay all so right right yeah, Right so.
2: before yeah it was. A little bit crazy, very, yes. very chaotic.
1: Yes, absolutely. That's, I think that's an understatement at this point, but <laughs> yeah, um,
4: yeah.
1: All right. So now one thing that I would love to ask is uh, if you could provide a piece of advice and I'll ask each of you in, in the positions that you're in, a piece of advice to somebody who is considering doing their own thing, opening their own facility, going their own way, uh, what would that be? What is the biggest Thing that you have learned, uh, you know, up until this point with your experience in the gym?
2: You want me to go first, Ricky, or? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so my big thing has always been, I'm a big believer in investing in people. Um, I think that if you don't have good people that you can trust and count on, that this is going to be impossible. And I think that the way that you treat people and all levels of your business is going to really kind of predict your success because the reality is is that with any business especially you know this is small business but as it doesn't really matter the size you need customers you need employees you need peers all of those people need to work and get along and they have to be moving towards the same goal right so I use the analogy a lot of like paddling a a boat right if we all have a paddle right if we're not going in the same direction we're gonna just go in circles or we'll go one way for a bit and another way for a bit. Uh And so, so really the job as the, as the owner is, you know, one, I should be able to pick up a paddle in any of the positions and row. Right. But the big thing is that, that I've got to have vision of where we're going and that's really my job. So if I, if I can't see clearly and I don't know what direction we're going to go in, we're going to be inefficient. We're going to be losing money in other, all kinds of different areas. So I think that that's a part that gets overlooked. Obviously the finances is important. Don't don't overstretch yourself for what you can handle, but you really, really need to make sure that you've invested in a good team and that you continue investing in your team over the course of your business because um, the second you stop doing that, you're 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 probably bound to fail.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Um, I like that you said, you know you should be able to pick up the paddle at yeah. any time. Um, and I think that as an owner, you should know every aspect of the business and how to do it because that's a a large gap. A lot of the time within business ownership is that the owner doesn't know how to do a lot of the tasks that are involved in running the business. And there are situations where you need to step in and take over, whether somebody doesn't show up or you're lacking staff or, you know, whatever it might be. And if you don't know how to do it, one obviously, you're not able to step in and take over. But two, you miss things that either are happening or not happening within the business on a daily basis, areas of improvement that could be made if you don't know how to do every aspect of the business. And also, I think just from um, a leadership side of things, you should be able to lead and your team should follow. In yeah. every aspect of the business, you should be able to set the standard and then have everyone else follow along. So I like that, you said that.
2: Yeah. So, so I work for a big hospital system. Uh, and that's the, my biggest complaint always is that the people that are making decisions on how I operate on a daily basis are never there yes. and they don't, they don't have any concept for what we do. So they'll make these decisions, these blanket decisions, and it doesn't affect them. Right. So they have, so, so for me, it's like, there's no way for me to make good decisions about what i want my staff to be doing and all those things if i'm not at least somewhat present right because mm-hmm. if things aren't working I, I need to be able to experience that firsthand so we can make changes and yes. and i know that ricky does the same i mean ricky is a, a has become a jack of all trades at this point so you can put mm-hmm. him in a, any position in the, in the gym and he'd be but yeah i mean we both had to work the front desk uh, last weekend so that's just the way that it is so <laughs> right
1: absolutely yeah i mean i remember there i was cleaning the toilets every day oh yeah you
2: know it's like oh we've (laughs) done that (laughs) we've had our oh my gosh yeah we uh that's a whole other story but for the first like what ricky six months our toilets would get clogged on a daily basis and it got to the point where i was like i would get anxiety when when my phone would go off because i knew it was the toilet like i just knew that something (laughs) and uh so we replaced those those things and now we have like industrial uh you know toilets from for like a, a construction site or something. And we, we can't be, we can't can't be damaged in golden sense. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) Yeah. The not so glamorous side of owning your own business, right?
2: Yeah. And you got a lot of 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 protein in there. So it's tough.
1: (laughs) 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 All right. Ricky, what about you? What, what is the biggest thing that you've learned?
2: Just kind of
3: piggyback off Sean, you know, Sean's giving me full confidence in his gym. And so it's been an honor to be able to be here. Um, we just we're on the same page in terms of people we we believe in people we like to make a, a safe haven for people we we, we both understand the gym is a is a mental he- heaven for people
4: mm-hmm.
1: so they
3: want to get away from life stress COVID job work everything and so even we're open on holidays and you'll see people in the gym and you're like oh well, I'm just trying to go from the in-laws which is okay <laughs> if that's your thing but again we we want to provide a nice safe place for people to, to enjoy and be in, and be a clean space so yeah
1: absolutely yeah that is a a huge aspect of it making people feel comfortable and welcome and like they're a part of a larger community that really plays into keeping people for long periods of time so definitely an important aspect there all right awesome so now as we start to wrap up anything else we'd like to touch on or add from either of you
5: uh
2: no, I mean, I think we covered a lot of the, the, really the big important stuff for me was that the stuff we just talked about. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that covered most things unless you have any other questions.
1: Go on my side. Ricky, anything else from you?
3: Uh, no, thank you for having us. It was, it's been an honor. Yeah, I appreciate it.
1: Of course. All right. So where can we find you on social media?
2: We are uh, Rise Gym, uh that's our risegymtx.com is our website and it's just at risegym, I believe for our tag. Let me just check before. Yeah. Uh, at risegymtx.com uh, for our social media. Okay. And at risebarbell. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we didn't, yeah, we, yeah, we barely talked about the barbell part, but yeah. So yeah, we've got two different social media tags for the two parts of the gym.
1: Okay. Are you trying to kind of keep them separate because it is kind of a, a different audience?
2: Yeah. So yes. And social media for sure, because one of the things that we were not having a problem with, but I could tell was limiting a limiting factor is people were intimidated by like, I I wish I, you know, if you you could go on, go on our social media after this and you can see the, the, the two gyms, but like one is a very commercial, like kind of boutique esque. And then the other, the barbell one is like all black and white. We've got, it's completely different feel. And so one of the things that we were getting is people would see, we started posting stuff from Barbell on our our main social media. And they're like, oh my God, it's only bodybuilders over there. And I don't wanna, and so I, I didn't want, I wanted to make sure that everybody feels comfortable, you know, in the gym. So even from the way that our gym is designed, like when you walk in, you start with open space, cardio, then pin machines, then cable machines, than freeway area. So literally you have to walk all the way in the gym to get to kind of the hardest part of, you know, the hardest equipment. So if you don't feel comfortable with that, you don't even have, you can just walk in and cardio and all the the kind of basic stuff is right there. And so I didn't want to, I didn't want to deter those people uh, anymore. So we are like, okay, let's separate our social media. So at least we can kind of target our each, our own demographics, so to speak. And um, it's worked well so far.
4: So
1: Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense because of the intimidation factor. A lot of people get intimidated yeah. by that. So to kind of keep the two separate makes sense. And I like that it's set up at the back as well to, um, you know, not scare the people away that just yeah. want the exactly. cardio. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, you know,
2: you've been to gyms where like you walk in and a, the free weight stuff is like right in your face. And so for people that want to just get on the treadmill and be inc- incognito, they when they walk in even to sign up they see all these people in front of them. like oh my god i don't want to sign up here i don't feel comfortable so right i think that was a big uh, I, i've been to you know like i said i've worked for several gyms and i've obviously worked out at a bunch of gyms over the years and that was a big thing for me i was like well if if you know, I know that most gym goers are like pineapples. Like they're all spiky on the outside, but like, they're all, we're all good people. We all love working out and we like to help others, but it's that initial spikiness that you need to just like, if you give enough time together, eventually you'll have some interactions where like, okay, this guy that's grunting all the time is actually not that bad. He's a a nice guy, (laughs) but I just want to make sure we had an environment that, uh, you know, that was conducive for that.
1: Yes, absolutely. It allows people to get warmed up to that first rather than yes, just throwing absolutely. them right into yeah. fire. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. All right, perfect. So Sean and Ricky from Rise Gym in Taubal, Texas, thank you both so much for joining us today. It's been so great having you both on the show.
2: Yeah, thank you. Appreciate thank it. Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. To all the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you will be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there and we'll catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out.
0: Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your
6: call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. And joining us on the show is Mr. Tony Chappie of Total Fitness, coming to you from Pequot, Ohio. Tony, what's going on, man? How are you today? Ah, uh, really good. How are you doing, Joe? I am doing very, very well. I'm excited to pick your brain about this business and and dig into the nitty gritty here. It sounds like there are now two locations. Tony has been in the industry for quite some time now and just took over a second location. And so we'll certainly explore the pros and cons of that. But Tony, before we get into the strategy and get into the, the business details of all of this, tell us a little bit about how you describe total fitness. What is this gym about?
5: Um, it's just about, I really like to teach people everything they need to know to understand everything they need to do so they no longer need me. They want me. After uh, 20 some years in the business, I find that the number one reason a person quits is because they get overcomplicated and overconfused and don't do results. So what I do is I focus on the people who want help. Teach them them the basics of exercise and the basics of nutrition. This way, they understand all the basic things that they need to do so that they stay successful, and they continue to continue to work out and be a member of the club. Um, membership retention's everything. We all know that we sign people up, then they disappear. Uh, no longer are there the days of the the contracts or the agreements where you're just cash flowing people doing direct mail pieces uh, the switch and bait, lock them in and try to keep them. Now you have to earn their trust. And it's frustrating when you spend time with people, then they just stop. So if you give a little bit more at the beginning and they understand the basic things and they get hooked on exercise, uh, you know, like anywhere, there's really not much to do in life after work, but in, in your community, uh, the, the fitness business, if you get someone hooked to come in, in a couple of days a week, they look forward to getting off work, then that's their social time before they go home and relax. On top of that, they develop a habit that keeps them healthy and moving the rest of their lives because we're all professional athletes, because if we can't move our body, we can't go to work. We can't live
4: life.
6: Yeah. Spot on. And and so the crux of this becomes how can we pour value into people and educate them on things that are going to lead to their success? The result of that is that they stay customers for the longer term, right? Is that kind of in a nutshell what we're getting at? Exactly. Perfect. Well, John, let's, or Tony, I'm sorry. Let's explore the business model side of this and how you guys deliver that, right? Because there's a couple of different layers to how that works for the other business owners that listen to this, how would you describe the business model? Where does the majority of your revenue come from?
5: Um, It all started years ago. um, Boy, back in the nineties, I did a, uh, a check mail piece where you, you give a person a check for $300. Okay. They get this check and they come to the club and you use it as a way to discount the membership. To sell them a term membership, either a a one year or two year membership. Uh, that was the basic direct mail piece used in the 90s. Then around 2000, I was working with a marketing consultant, and uh, well, he I worked with him on the check letter, and he went away. Then I I, I developed my own sales team. That's when I learned, you know, you need a sales program. Then I started experimenting and 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 uh. Different sales books, sales techniques. Then the big, the big thing was the uh, uh, the free membership for like a eight week membership. What it started out was uh, we we started doing a mail piece where you get someone in, then you upgrade them. Then from there, I developed an actual training program that you have called the total training program. That someone comes into the club and you have an actual free week. A eight-week program that you give someone with the membership. The only difference was was on the mail piece it would say that we're looking for 15 to 20 people uh, to participate in this free testimonial study. Uh, then when they they called, then you on the mail piece you'd put you get this free program with one-on-one training, nutritional counseling, and all the things. And then what I would do, what I put on there, all you do is pay the normal monthly dues. So when someone came in uh, on the sales present, you introduced yourself, you found out what they're looking for, then you showed them the free program, what you'll do. Then the catch was all they had to do is become a member, then they get the actual free training program. Mm -hmm. So I kind of developed my my whole marketing strategy based on doing that. Uh, So then you actually get a free training program then they join for the actual normal monthly dues. Okay. Um, and yep. years ago, okay, go ahead. Yeah, so the,
6: the majority of this, if I'm understanding correctly, is kind of on a open gym model, right? People paying a monthly membership for access to the facility and you guys are just building value on top of that. Am I understanding properly?
5: Yes. And what, what happened from doing that direct meal piece, I developed the free training program that I gave people that taught them what to do so it retained them. So it started out as a marketing piece. Now it turned into an actual program for my club where we have an actual product versus the equipment for the two types of people. You have the person that knows what they're doing. That just wants the equipment. Then you have a program for the average person who thinks they know what they're doing, but they just want a little bit of help. So they're confident coming in and it's just a little bit, a little extra to help them come in and make them feel more comfortable. Sure. Okay. So we're giving out these resources
6: provided that they're signing up as members, right? Yes. But we also have in-person one-on-one personal training for an even higher caliber program. Is that correct?
5: Exactly. And from that, and if you do do personal training with the free program, the people who want a personal trainer and can afford a personal trainer, it gives them the ability to ask for one if they want it.
6: Yep. Okay, so a couple of different moving pieces to this, but in terms of generating revenue, we've got the membership and we've got personal training, right? Kind of two-pronged approach?
5: Uh, It is an approach, but I used to do the personal training in the group classes, but I've been struggling with, you know, keeping people, personal trainers and classes going since the covid
6: Okay. So right now it's
5: mainly membership-based. Yeah, the vast <laughs>
6: majority of this is yeah. membership yeah. and then we've got other layers. I understand. Okay, perfect. So to wrap our head around the the scale of this, how many members do we have and how does that compare to pre-pandemic numbers?
5: Um, I'm up to about 800 members in my main club and my second club about 400 members. And that's coming from the place with the 800 members. I've got about 11,000 households. Uh, my my second location that has about 14,000 households has about 400 members. And okay. I have a community of, I have a Planet Fitness a mile and a half from me. So, you know, and, uh, and uh, a few other competitors and a few this in the yeah. main. And in my north location, I have just a couple... Three different kind
6: of okay. and so in in terms of potential for growth, are those fairly close to capacity, or are we still
5: looking to build those out? I'm looking to build them out. My realistic goal is I want to get both locations up to about a thousand members. Got it.
6: okay. And so that naturally leads us to the conversation about marketing and the chance to kind of dig in a little bit more on that. You mentioned, direct mailing being a big component is that something you guys are still doing
5: well what i things are always changing and when i started uh uh, you know the fitness center in the 90s you had different marketing like i mentioned like a check letter then it went to the free personal training the direct mail has been the big hitter i would say from 2000 to about 2014 or 15 but I, what I want to do is trying to convert my direct mail piece into your Facebook, your Instagram, your social medias. Uh, my biggest negative, as I graduated in 1984, we didn't even have Windows back then. So as I'm trying to learn the Facebook and the Instagram with the sales funnels, you know, I've experimented with a couple of different, you know, companies. Uh, I'm experimenting with doing my own, but I haven't got that mastered. But my next step would be to convert everything into social media, which I know is going to be the future. I'm I'm experimenting in it. I'm successful in it. But it just the last few years, direct mail pieces quit working as effective as they used to. Where I used to be able to sell X amount of dollars, I could expect X amount of people coming back in but it just doesn't seem like it works like it used to.
6: Yeah. It's a, it's a never ending search for how to optimize that process and and get the best ROI. Obviously marketing is all ROI. Any money that we spend in a, in a small business like this, we want to make sure that something's coming back, right? It's not just brand awareness. We want to make sure that we're bringing in leads that can, we can turn into customers. That's important to remember at the end of the day. And so, any number of ways to skin a cat, and and so what it sounds like I'm hearing from you is the transition from more physical direct mailing into a little bit more digital social media. But the essence of this, the the context of what we're looking for, stays the same, right?
5: Uh, exactly. It's it's I'm 27 years in the building and in, in the business, and I feel like I'm starting over. And, and yeah. it has always been like that. Uh, I also have a small weight loss uh, franchise or 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 thing that I did in my club, and it went from a program called uh, Thin and Healthy, then they turned to the Total Solution, then it turned to the Twenty Thirty Fast Track, now it's the Infinite Thirty Program. Now it seems like the weight loss industry is always inventing itself every four to five years and the fitness business does it every 8 to 10 years. So we're always changing. And you want to stay in the same thing, but in the marketing they always say if you get tired of it, continue to do it, but when it stops working is when you need to change. So I'm in the change mode of the marketing now. And it seems like Facebook's really working, it's getting simpler and simpler and uh I'm starting to experiment with a different uh, CRM, which is tied into my billing company. All the billing companies are starting to start a company that has their own CRMs that ties into. Right now, I'm working with ASF, and they have their new Club OS. Yep. So as as they're adding these things, I'm learning with the business.
6: Yeah. So anybody
5: yeah. new out there, you're going to be new for the next thirty
6: years. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, I mean, to borrow a term from, from martial arts, we call it this white belt mentality, right? No matter how advanced you think you are, there's always going to be something else to learn. And so considering yourself a beginner, no matter what stage you're at, can really provide dividends for you. And being open and, and willing to learn these things is going to be what carries you to success, right? The people that are so stuck in their ways and aren't willing to change anything they probably closed in the last 24 months or they will be closing here Uh, in the future and so it's unfortunate (laughs) but willing or being willing to accept these new technologies new strategies new operating ways of taking care of business is going, I mean, that's a whole other conversation that you and I can have, and we'll save that for another day. But yeah. I think that's a really, really important point, and and one that shouldn't get passed over. You know what I mean? Oh yes,
5: definitely. <laughs> yeah.
6: And so, Tony, I mean, you mentioned that we're we're moving towards a more digital social media type strategy. I want to pick your brain on what happens after we get those leads, right? You mentioned we have this new CRM. And so leads come into our CRM, but what happens between that time and between them signing up for a membership? What's that typical sales
5: process look like? I think the the first process is remember on the phone or on the internet, trying to get them in, you're not focused on closing the sale. You're focused on, Hey, what can we do when you get here? Don't, don't try to set an appointment, try to set an understanding they're coming in to help them with their goal, what they want. You know, the, the the typical thing is people don't want braces. They want straight teeth. So how how can I tell a person, Hey, I'm not a highly trained salesperson. I'm, I'm here to help you meet your needs and, and you can do this. We can help you. Then when you come in to comfortably find out what they've done before, what they want to do, Then show them how we can teach them what to do, what they need to do, so that you can help them make the decision to start. And the decision shouldn't be, well, how much does it cost? The decision could be, can I do this? Can I I succeed? I'm like, I don't think my competitions, uh, Planet Fitness or the other clubs or the Anytime Fitness, my competition is they failed before. We've all failed before, I mean, or we've never tried. Everybody has an understanding of fitness, but for some reason, people in society think of membership at 19 bucks a month is a big commitment. And, and, and I think it's because in the back of their minds, they've heard of or they failed before and they're afraid of getting locked in to an agreement that they're going to waste money on so that's, and typically that's my typical sales process. Find out what they want, show them we have it, uh, give them the ability to make the simple decision to continue on.
6: Yep, that's tremendous. And and it sounds like we're we're really, I mean, when we talk about sales and fitness, it gets this kind of dirty connotation and and this negative mindset. But at the end of the day, what we do is, Helpful for people. It's valuable. And if we genuinely believe the cost of a monthly membership is more than enough value for the person, then it's our responsibility. It's our duty to try to get them to join as members and to try to get them to see that value and perceive that value themselves. As we look forward, I mean, this whole conversation, Tony, has been built around how do we operate and how do we grow to do better than we did yesterday. For you guys, with these two clubs, you mentioned a thousand members being the target at both. Say we get to a thousand. What comes next for you?
5: Uh, probably a third club. yeah, you know i, I i'm I'm in I've I kind of like had this concept to 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 build something. You know, I really believe in vision boards and that you throw stuff up and uh so maybe a third club i know my biggest challenge is going to be to replace myself right now i'm super self-employed yeah and what i mean by that is with one club it's easy to manage it and keep things going but when when you have two clubs you have to depend on other people and have systems so I've got a good sales process. Uh, I uh, what is it? Uh, uh, the uh, the profit. Uh, the TV show where he goes in and he sells. He he uh, buys part of a business and he he starts the the people process. No no people process product for a profit. I have to change a little bit of it to where. I have a better training manual for my people instead of me being there all the time and teaching a person what to do through the whole process. Do I have a manual or do I have a system in place to train people, Uh, especially after this COVID thing? I've really been struggling with finding help since COVID, you know, especially with when you're getting resumes and, and one of the main questions you get, well, how much can I do this from home? And and you think to yourself, well, none. <laughs> uh, yep. So yep. so you know, you know it's it's always about they say you don't have a business if you can't walk away for three months and come back and it still be run run strong. I can't get away for twenty minutes. Yeah. So that's my next step, my challenge. With that said, if I can do two clubs and if I can build a team, I could do three clubs. But if I can't manage two clubs. Uh, I have a, uh, a friend that uh, uh, have you, you've heard of Nebula fitness equipment, right? Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, that's a friend of mine. He started that back in the nineties and uh, you know, he he was going strong till uh, we went uh, we went to war with the the Iraq deal and 70% of his clients was all uh, uh, military and that kind of put a struggle on him. That that's why, Never Neville's not around anymore, but I through him, I met a lot of people who had one club and they tried to do multiple clubs. And I see that challenge with a lot of people, especially if they were like a, a professional athlete and they started a club and they get two of them, but they had a hard time duplicating themselves. And with one location, it's easy for everybody to like total fitness like Tony Chappie. But I have to be completely out of the picture in order to duplicate it because you can't do everything yourself. Yeah. And if yeah. I grow too fast, I can. I, I've seen a lot of people open two clubs and sell one club because they get two clubs all of a sudden and make less money. And they water down. Yeah. No, it's, uh, we can't be in multiple places at once. work in as much. Right, yeah. So uh,
6: it sounds like to, to steal a, a thought process from the profit show where people and process are both very much still in the works, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Do you think, and and so this is kind of a a good way for us to cap this off. You've been very focused on the membership revenue. Do you think that you'll try to return to personal training or group training at any point?
5: Uh, if, If I come along with someone who wants to do that and they can break off from where I'm at and do that, but for me personally, I don't want to do personal training because I know I don't have the time to do the personal training. With the oh, oh so, not you. Do, do you yeah. mean it to bring but, it back to the business? Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, if the right person comes along, yeah. uh, make a long story short, uh, back when Planet Fitness first came to my area, uh, there was the big scare that I was going to go out of business. At about that time, I had about 700 members. And you you got the planet fitness coming down the road and 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 usually they're everybody's afraid of that because they're gonna destroy your business. So I hired a a consultant, came in, tried to build a personal training business. So I hired some personal trainers. I started calling everybody, setting up presents, sold about 10, 12 personal training packages and gave it to personal trainers. Well, they all started training people, but they they kept coming back to me to sell them more personal training. Yep. Then, then, then I got away from trying to generate money from personal training to keep the club open. Back to this, just do club sales. So to make a long story short, if a, a personal trainer came along, he was doing sales with me, or her, and she wanted to start her own business and do personal training. But that's a specifically different business than gym sales, because you're selling yourself.
1: Right. It's a much right.
5: harder sale. You're, yeah. You know right. what I mean? You're you're getting forty, fifty dollars an hour versus hey, here's 20 bucks. Yeah, and so potentially people, process,
6: and product down the line may be taken a look at, not in the short term, but potentially as we progress on. Tony, that's probably a pretty good place to to start to wrap this whole thing up, but I want to give you an opportunity to shout out where people can learn a little bit more about this. Is there a good website? Is there social media? Where should we go to?
5: Oh, I use YouTube to, to, to To learn things, but you know that's why I search to learn things. But I mean, try on air. I mean, try anything. I mean, to
6: learn about your business, is there? Where can people go to learn about total?
5: oh if they look at my website, which needs upgraded, it, it but it kind of shows how I do the total training program and uh, what I offer people. It's a uh, totalfitnesspipla. dot um I have that on there, and and I I want to start utilizing more videos on my thing but you know it's a a learning process (laughs) it certainly is
6: so yeah tony this has been awesome i always appreciate the chance to to pick through gym owners brains and see what makes them tick and and the things that they're working on internally i really appreciate your time here and, and i'm excited to see what this business and and the future of these clubs looks like here moving forward and so I can't thank you enough for your time, sir. And and we wish you the best of luck. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. So to everyone who tuned in, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out.
0: Now stick around for the rest of this episode.
1: Use coupon code Lords on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders.
7: Welcome to the Gym Lords podcast. Where we talk fitness business with gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of Extreme Fitness, Long Island. Chris Norris, how are you doing today?
4: I'm doing great, Dominic. How are you?
7: I'm doing fantastic, man. Excited to get on, hear your story. So let's jump into it, man. Tell me what what's extreme fitness all about?
4: Okay, well, extreme fitness is um, I like to call it a full service fitness center because um, I don't I don't specialize in one niche. I'm not a CrossFit studio. I'm not just a personal training center, um, and I'm not just a group class gym. We do all of the above. Um when I started in in the business um I heard from a lot of people when I was looking for marketing that you got to choose your niche you gotta pick you know um, what you want to specialize in and kind of focus on that I didn't want to I didn't want to corner myself I didn't want to box myself into a specific niche and I like having different options for my clients so my facility has um, machines I got cable machines I got you know, uh, press machines, and um, I do group classes, and uh, I do personal training, so I, I give everybody a variety of, of different exercises, um, even CrossFit stuff, too. I got the tire, I got the ropes, everything, so, you know, I try, I try to do everything to keep people satisfied.
7: Awesome, we'll dig into that a little bit more, so I definitely have some follow-up questions there, but I think to better understand where you are now, we need to know where you came from, so... You haven't been a lifelong fitness trainer. It's not like you're working at someone else's gym and you're like, I need to do my own thing. A little bit different backstory. So tell me what that looked like. Um, you know, your career in the medical side and in making the jump over to this.
4: Okay. All right. I'll go back a little bit, a little bit further. Um, as far as my fitness career, um, before I started getting paid for it, I was an athlete in high school. Um, I played football. I started working out when I was in 10th grade and I got big, you know, what we would consider big, muscular, diesel, whatever. I loved it. And I said, this is it. This is, you know, this is something that I love. And I've been working out my whole life. Um, I'm 49 years old now. And um, just fitness has fueled me and, and just made me I guess, a better person my entire life. I did work as a trainer back in 2013 at LA Fitness from um, from 2009 to 2013. Um, I just really worked there part-time just to get some extra money just because I wanted to. I was doing um, other things. Um, I had an entertainment company um, that I was working with, so I kind of kept my gym membership. And train. I trained kind of to keep my gym membership and to make a little bit of extra money just so I can kind of look good when I threw my parties at night. Um, but then my daughter went to high school and um, we wanted to send her to private school and we needed we needed more money than what I was making at the gym. So I went to school, and I became an EMT. Um, I was an EMT for about a year and then I went back to school again to become a paramedic. Um, a lot of people don't know the difference between EMT and a paramedic. Paramedic has a lot more training. They're allowed to do a lot more interventions. We do medical interventions. We can give all kinds of medication, things like that. So it's a very intense, it's a very intense educational program. So I did that, and I loved it. And I was working as a medic since twenty, since twenty fifteen, and during the time when the pandemic started, uh, I was working on the ambulance. Things were shutting down, and I used to work on Sundays and I had my partner drive me around. I started seeing gyms that were shut down, gyms and not just gyms, but facilities and stores and all of these, you know, we would drive down this strip where there was normally a lot of business, a lot of activity, and we would see nothing but empty, empty stores. And I was saying to myself, I was like, you know, this would be an amazing time to start my own business not because the business would be so great right now but just because these owners are probably taking hits on their properties because nobody is using them you know so any owner that is renting one of their you know facilities they're not making any money now because everything is shut down so I took that as an opportunity to start looking at property. So every Sunday I would have my partner drive me around. I would stop. I'd like stop there. I'd look in the window, take a look and see how it looks, and be like, all right, yeah, that one looks good. Write it down, write it down. So I uh, I found this one. Um it's right on a um it's right on the corner of a very, you know, busy intersection Sunrise Highway and Long Island. sunrise highway kind of connects. Uh Eastern Long Island, all the way to Queens, all the way into Brooklyn. So, this one strip, Route 27, is a very, you know, serious throwaway. So, I'm right off of that, right on the corner across the street from the shopping center. So, the location was great. The owner gave me a great price, and um, I started from scratch. I had no experience. I had no equipment. um, No idea how to market. Just... I'm gonna do it. That was it. Just me and my wife said, yo, you you gotta stop. I can curse, right? You gotta stop bullshitting. Yep, and, um she was like, You gotta stop bullshitting and and just do it. So I was still working at my job and running the gym. Not even running the gym. It took me three months to get it open. I had to redo the floors, I had to paint, I had to do stuff that I've never done before because I couldn't afford to pay anybody to do it. My wife kept telling me, go to Home Depot and get some of the guys from Home Depot that can come down and help. I said, nope. I felt I-, I wanted the satisfaction of doing it myself and looking at it when I'm finished and saying, this is something that I did. Like I did this myself and it felt great when I finished it and it looked amazing. I hardly had no, any equipment. I went on Facebook marketplace and started buying um, pieces just to fill up the gym. I bought a First thing I bought was like a squat rack. I don't even have that one anymore. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> I replaced that one, and then I bought some ab stuff, and then just gradually, piece by piece, I bought dumbbells, medicine balls, everything I could find, and just started putting it in the gym. And um, that's how that's how I built it up. Till so eventually, now I have literally everything that I need. Um, yeah, there's a few pieces I could you know exchange if I wanted better, but I have exactly what I need to do, everything that I need to do in the gym at this time. Yeah,
7: that that's Super cool story. And whenever I hear about somebody opening up a gym in 2020, because it was, it was November in 2020 when you, when you signed the lease, that's when you started? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, exactly what you said. The first thing that comes to my mind, I'm like, it was a wild time, but there was some good real estate deals to be had. There was some landlords that were willing to, be negotiable, doing some things, and it it sounds like you figured out, hey, this is a good spot that you know a year ago maybe I wouldn't have been able to afford it wouldn't have made sense.
4: But yeah. here we are. That's that's a fact. I definitely would not I wouldn't have got this property for this price had it not been shut down. He gave me a hella of discount off of the actual number that he was originally asking for. Um, so yeah, I opened up I don't remember exactly, but it was right after Jim started opening back up. It was maybe a month or so. And when I started looking, everything was shut down. So it was still shut down. But then Jim's opened back up. And I said, people thought I was crazy. I was telling people, I, you know, I didn't tell everybody, but I told, you know, I told my partner who I work with and he encouraged me a lot. He was like, bro, you got to do it. He really encouraged me um, to do it. My EMT partner that I was working with. And um, everybody thought I was crazy because they were like, yo, what if it shuts back down? What, you know, what if nobody comes? What if everybody's scared to come? I said, listen, gym people are not going to stop gymming. Like that's just what they do. They're going to find a way to work out because that's what gym people do. You know, Um, they're going to want to come back to the gym and they're going to want to be in an environment that is safe, that they can train without tons of people around them and that they can feel comfortable. So what I did was I made sure, obviously, everything was clean and sanitized, and I wore my mask, and I allowed the clients to work out without their mask, because there was only one person in here, me and them. So they felt comfortable working out in an environment where they didn't have to run on a treadmill with a mask at LA Fitness or at Crunch, and um, they could get a good workout. And I started training people for free. People that I knew and I recorded it and I put it on Instagram. I would, you know, pull people off the street. This was before I did any like, you know, Facebook ads or any real marketing. I was just training people that I, that I know, um, trying to collab with other people that I knew in the, in the fitness industry on, on Instagram and, um, just doing videos with them. I got this really, um, popular fitness, IG personality. Um, who actually worked at one of the hospitals who um, I used to transport patients to, one of the main hospitals that I went to all the time. And I saw her one time and it almost didn't click till I went outside and I looked on my Instagram and I was like, wait a second. And then I went back in and I said, Are you so and so? And she said, Yes. Yeah. So I told her, I said, Listen, you know, I'm opening a gym, a gym soon. I would love to have you come make a video with me. She made a video with me and I trained her. And that really helped me get, you know, a bunch of followers and people came in and they did like assessments with me. And, I, and that's how it kind of started building up like, like that, just me basically busting my ass and working for free for months until people started paying me.
7: Yeah. It's always nice when people start actually giving you money for, for something your you bumped your ass for. That's a fact. So, so now you've built this facility and I love the way that, that you've got it set up and described it as you've built in a lot of flexibility to it. You're not trying to be everything to everyone, but within the niche of people that you want to train, like you said, you have some functional fitness equipment, you have some machines, you have some free weights, how much of that came from, you know, it being the type of facility where you would want to train at. um, And then how much of it was, your target market, whatever demographic you were trying to attract in there to have that flexibility to not really be a one trick pony with it.
4: Right. I think it was, I think it was more so from the idea of me wanting to give my clients variety. I I said from the beginning, when I started training clients that no client wants to do the same thing over and over. And also not gonna lie it came from me thinking of the ease of being able to have a client sit down and do leg press for a couple of sets without you having to have them jump around all the jumps sometimes you just want to sit down and do an exercise sometimes you just want to sit down and do a chest press and that kind of makes things easier for both of us on certain days so um so yeah it basically came from me saying all right I want to have variety to have my clients utilize equipment to have nice equipment to be able to use and to, you know, be able to do stuff on what I call the green. Most people call it the turf. I call it the green. So, um, you know, I have them do stuff on on the green. So just from giving clients variety, I I try to tell my clients, especially in my sales meetings, that no two sessions is going to be the same. I have clients that I've been training for over a year and they still say, wow, we've never done that before because I'm making my business to try to do the research and come up with exercises that are going to be challenging. You're going to keep going to different levels. You're never going to stay the same. There's always another level of training, no matter how good you get, no matter how long you've been training. So I try to make sure I push them to that next level. So that's what I do. All
7: right, cool. So when you, when you have this this plan in mind when you I'm going to open a gym and all, all this and started doing it. Did you have a specific demographic in mind, a target audience, whether it be men, women, different ages, different professions, anything like that, or were you just trying to figure out whoever I attract, whoever's gravitated towards what I put out is going to be a good match.
4: It's a good question. Um, when I got this, this spot, this spot is in Belmore. Long Island. Belmore is a predominantly white, um, predominantly, I'm going to say older like area. Um, mm-hmm. So I knew me as a black owner, um, it would be tough to get a demographic that I'm used to. Now, literally, I, you probably don't know this, but I, obviously you don't. Literally right across from the street for me, is the Long Island Railroad train station, and at this train station, when I was setting up, when I was setting up shop, and I was, you know, moving all my equipment and painting and everything, was all and I'm gonna say, hundreds and hundreds of people during the Trump rallies in 2020, it was over there, and it was a very, I'm not gonna say it was a racist vibe, but it felt racist to me. Not, I'm not saying I'm not a Trump supporter or anything like that. I don't want to get political or anything, but I knew that coming over here, I may face challenges as a Black business owner, um, but I wanted to I wanted to be able to market to all demographics. I knew I was going to have to deal with um, the middle-aged, you know, white mom who's, you know, a stay-at-home mom, and, you know, I ended up kind of focusing a little bit more on the seniors, like the over-50 crowd, because I find a lot of them come in. And they want to get in shape too. You know, the women in their, in their mid-60s, early 60s are like, you know, I, I gained a little weight during the pandemic and I really love to get back active again. So I didn't target any specific um, audience, but I knew that I would have to have a wide variety of, of audience that I could be able to utilize and the senior citizen crowd was kind of what was drawn to me because for one, a lot of them have injuries that with my medical background, I have training to be able to understand what they're going through and how to train them without, you know, further injuring themselves and being able to work around their, their, you know, difficulties. So that's kind of what I've been focusing on.
7: Yeah. I think it's, it's really cool to see how fitness a lot of times will have people crossing boundaries and, in, in in areas where they might not normally be whether it's men and women working out together or you know racial racial background income like, there's something about the people who are looking to better themselves that they get in that environment and they're like hey I'm here for this purpose you're here to help me and you make connections that that people might not otherwise make and uh, I think that's one of the the most positive things that we can do with this industry is is bridge gaps in a lot
4: of ways right yeah if you look on my website you'll see me i have group photos with you know all different kinds of people you know all all different races ages right? you know everybody and they're all smiling because it's all genuine fun and satisfaction they oh everybody that comes here. i i try to actually i don't even try it just happens it's a family it's a family owned gym and when everybody comes here, I make sure I introduce them to each other. So it's a family environment. I know a lot of other gyms, you know, they try to keep that community feeling, and that's important to me as well. Everybody, when they come to my Saturday class, my Saturday uh, boot camp class is kind of like the 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 glue that brings everybody together. So every week, everybody looks forward to that. So on Saturdays, you know, sometimes I get a new member. I introduce everybody. Hey, everybody, this is Tanya. Welcome, welcome Tanya. And we come in and... Tanya gets her ass bust just like everybody else. <laughs> and uh, but she, you know, she loves it and they love it. So it's it's really like that family vibe and that everybody encouraging each other. Um it's, it's really what makes this an amazing, an amazing place. And I, I honestly like I especially since I did some new work just recently, I changed things around and um bought some new pieces. Now every time I cut off the lights, sometimes I just look. And and take a moment to myself and, you know, can't believe it. I'm happy that, you know, that I did this and this is mine. I never want to lose it. never want to get rid of it.
7: Yeah. That, that's, that's an amazing feeling for sure. And, and one more thing that I want to want to hop on that you pointed out there is you are like, you could throw a rock and hit the long Island railroad station from where you are. So sure. that with most gyms, demographics, distance, it can be an issue. I mean, on Long Island, right? Notoriously some of the worst traffic in the country, but by being by that station, you're connected to more communities that can they can hop on the train wherever they are, boom, hop off at your spot and they're good to go. So that, that's a really huge factor, I think, for people out on Long Island.
4: Yeah. Can you can you pause for one second?
7: Yes, sir. So the other thing was you mentioned it, it's a family gym and it's not just your members are your family. You got your daughter working there with you. She's training clients. So has that been from the beginning? How did that idea come to, to get her in? And, and obviously there's a different demographic that she's working with there, but where did that come from and, and how did you integrate it?
4: Okay. Um, my daughter's 21 now, so she's very young. So a lot of people are, you know, a lot of older clients, they may be very You know leery of having a 21 year old girl train them but she has a background in cheerleading she went to um, a private school that was one of the best cheerleading schools in you know in long island so she had a background in cheer and gymnastics so she's always been very fit um and she's always been good at training herself on her own right she doesn't have any you know any specific training but i said to her i said listen jasmine um you can do whatever you want to do. Jasmine is, is a special person. She doesn't quite know it yet, as a lot of people, as a lot of young people don't really know their worth. But Jasmine has a personality that is so in, in empowering that whenever somebody meets her, they just automatically love her. I literally told her to change her Instagram name to Everybody Loves Jasmine because everybody loves Jasmine. She had something else like Princess Jasmine. I said, that's stupid. Everybody loves Jasmine just call it that. Um, so yeah, so I started showing her how I train clients, um, how I want, you know, how I want them to train the different variety of exercises that they can do. And, um, and she took to it like it was, you know, like it was natural. And, um, her focus, obviously she's very thin. She's a gymnast. She wants to have that really muscular toned body. Um, so she, uh, She trains the clients that are looking for lower body work, you know, booty, flat abs, thick thighs, things like that. So she focuses um, on a lot of exercises that build those those muscle groups. And she's really, really good at it. So, yeah.
7: So one of the things that's kind of a niche that you've added into the business, too, and I think she's doing that, too, is uh, she's teaching pole fitness class there, too. That's something you added in.
4: Yes, absolutely. Um, that started because when I got the facility, it was it's a good size. It's very square and it was an open space. and it was around my son's birthday. It was in November of 2020. He turned uh, he turned 16 at the time. so we had a party and I used the gym to have his party. So I had just finished painting and did the floors, but I didn't have a lot of equipment. So I just, um, you know, we had a cake and my, I had a, a, a truck come with video games in the back. And then I realized that I could use this spot for more than just training and gyms. I could use this almost as an event space. Um, so I said, you know what? I'm going to do something different that. Um, a lot of women like us. So I started thinking about what people would like. And I I found out that pole dancing was, you know, pretty popular in the fitness community. And I had a friend who does that. So what I did was I hired my friend, Mona, who was a a pole dancing instructor to come. And I did a pole dancing party where I sold tickets um, for the ladies and I uh, let them, you know, bring their own drinks and I made snacks, whatever. And It was great they loved it the moral of the story was they loved it and then when mona was showing jasmine who was there jasmine and my wife were there um jasmine took to it like like a you know like a uh, natural she just it was amazing how she did it and was so graceful because she's a gymnast they say that gymnastics
7: background translates to everything
4: so when she got on the pole it was like it it was it was like a natural thing so mona came to me like i said she's been a friend of me for years she came to me and she said, listen, Chris, you have somebody special here. This girl is special. You don't need, because I was going to do it with Mona again. She said, let me know when, because it was a great success. You know, girls loved it. They had a great time. She said, let me know when you want me again. She said, to be honest, Jasmine can do this class herself. She's amazing. So I bought a pole. Jasmine practiced and practiced and practiced. Still, she literally became amazing at it. She's so graceful and so powerful on the pole she learned to do tricks that um she couldn't do before like when she first started like the flagpole hanging upside down all that crap that I couldn't even think about doing she can do it on the pole shit is amazing um so yeah so she's been doing pole dancing parties and private lessons for a while and the women love it so that's that's kind of a niche that I take pride in um providing to this community and you know it's, it's working out well it hasn't blown up but people are definitely calling about it.
7: Yeah, so just another way to find utility of your space for the parties, for the training, translates into another idea like, hey, this is one more thing that we can offer. And like you said, maybe it's not to the point where it's a, a regular class or your main bread and butter, but it is one more thing that, you know, the the business can make a little bit of money. You can kind of encourage your daughter's entrepreneurship. There's a lot of, a lot of ways where that can go. And it's, it's just right. one example of, you know, a hundred that'll probably happen to you over the course of
5: the business.
4: Exactly. And that that is a big part of it. What you just said, encouraging my daughter's entrepreneurship. We've been trying to do that for a year. She, you know, has lacked a certain amount of focus as a lot of, you know, young teenagers and, you know, early twenties do. And I, I, I encourage her. I never had been the type of parent to say, all right, you need to go to college. You need to do this. We encourage to listen. If you want to be an Instagram celebrity or want to, like these people are making money, video gamers, all of these people, they're making, some of them are making millions of dollars, but whatever it is that you do, you have to do it with heart and you have to really focus and put the work in. Um, so I wanted her to find something that she would be able to focus in because she liked it and she would put the work in and you know, maybe find some success and be able to create her own income. So now she manages her own clients. Um, she's making, you know, decent money from doing lessons and it's, it's, it's pretty good. It, it turned out, you know, could, could obviously be always, always be better, but it's been, it's been very good so far.
7: Definitely planted the seed anyway.
4: Yeah, exactly.
7: Sure. All right. So, You've got all this, you know, you've you've grown, you've evolved in the very short time that you've been open. And for our listeners, again, like basically with, with closures, restrictions, all that stuff, you've had a little bit over a year of, of real time to do business. So you're doing a lot there. Um, but you've also learned some things to grow the business. One of them is you've talked about, um, you've taken on to some extent doing some Facebook and Instagram ads and marketing yourself. Is that right?
5: Yes.
4: Yes, So
7: how did you figure out that you wanted to do that? There's value in it. Did you teach yourself how to do it? Like, what did that progression look like? Because there's still a lot of people that want to live and die by word of mouth and and don't want to push the button and actually advertise their business.
4: That was me. That was me in the beginning. Um, I tried to do every organic um, form of marketing that you can find from you know, passing out flyers up and down the block to, I I never left my house without a business card or a flyer. And I was literally giving it to everybody. Um, but then I I realized that I just have to get more people in, in the gym somehow. And I started doing research on like, um, gym marketing, just, you know, Googling that. And then, um, tons and tons of gym marketing companies started, um, you know, flooding my timeline. Um, but I didn't really want to want to utilize those. I wanted to do it, um uh, wanted to do it on my own. So it's basically just trial and error at, at first with um, paying for uh, paying for ads as far as like promoting posts on Instagram, promoting posts on uh, Facebook. And basically, it, it was just the fact of me, going as hard as I can and just trying to, you know, focus on getting people in the gym. Um, I did end up going with a company. I wanted to go with a company that um, didn't charge me a lot of money up front that said that they were going to make money off of the clients that I actually got walking through the door. Um, And they're the ones that helped me create my uh, first six week challenge program. And that's kind of what helped me kind of kick off that whole six week challenge thing. And that and was pretty good and it didn't cost me a lot of money and they kept their word. It was, they got paid off of the clients that walked through the door and, um, and, and that's how it was. But from there, I learned that you can't really get the volume of clients that you need unless you're doing some type of serious like internet uh, marketing. Like it really has to be done through the internet. You, you just can't, you can't not do it. That's it. Yeah.
7: And so now have you taken that onto yourself? Are you managing your ads and everything yourself?
4: Um, I still do most of it, um, mm-hmm. but maybe I'm going to say like every every two to three months, I'll do, uh, I'll kick out some money for ad spends and I'll run an ad and it'll be good to get, you know, a couple of hundred leads and, um, and then I'll kind of work those leads for about two months because the ad will run for a month. And then I'll work the, those leads that didn't, you know, come through for the, like the following month I'll continue working those leads and try to filter everybody out that, you know, still shows interest. And then maybe I'll run, I'll run another one. But in the meantime, I'm always trying to find different ways to get my business out there. There was a, there was a fair, um, that I uh, that our town had, the Belmore Fair. And um, I got a spot, I became part of the Belmore Chamber of Commerce, um, paid for that, and then we went to the fair and I had Jasmine bring a, uh, a stage pole out to the fair and she literally performed in front of thousands of people at the Belmore Fair and we got so many new clients um, just because they saw Jasmine out there um, freaking spinning around on the pole. Um, so I was like, I'll do anything to kind of get my gym, you know, some type of recognition. I feel like it's, it's important. You know, people yeah. have to know where you are.
7: Again, just like you're doing with the training, you're doing the same thing with your marketing. You're not trying to be one dimensional, organic marketing, guerrilla marketing, paid marketing, knowing that if you want to continue to grow and scale the business, everything works to some degree. You just got to hit it, hit it hard and kind of cycle through but but not be a one trick pony on that either.
4: Right. I don't I don't know if listen, I don't know if I'm doing it right. Like this is still a a work in progress for me. I can't say that this is how it should be done and I think people should follow my my method because as you know, everything doesn't work for everybody. I just like the flexibility of the methods that I use and and I think it I think it works for me. I mean obviously everybody you know obviously if things could be better you know i'm not pushing a bentley you know so, so i could be making you know more money but for um for the size of my facility and for what i'm looking for I, I i would say that i'm happy man i'm i quit my job in may of 2021 i was working in the beginning i was working uh three days at work. I was working, I think uh, it was like Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesdays, and then I would do Thursday, Friday, Saturday at the gym. Um, so I only had clients on those days. No, I was working Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then I did Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at the gym. So I was literally working seven days for like the first four or five months um, when I opened up until I quit my job in May of 2021 when things started started picking up. Um, so I said, you know what, I need to invest my time and energy into this. And, and it worked, you know, it worked.
7: Yeah. I mean, you're still, you're still on the building, still on the, you know, there's a lot, like we said, you know, you're, you're a little over a year into this and then shutdowns restrictions, the world's mostly getting back to normal. So I think you're, it sounds like a lot of things you're doing, your mind is in the right place. You're open-minded. You're, you know, just being here and saying, Hey, I don't know if I'm doing everything right. I don't know everything I'm going to be a sponge. I'm going to learn is going to, going to serve you better than coming. and be like, all right, I already got it all figured out. I'm going to do it this way. So um, as we start to run down on time here, where would you like to see this go? And it doesn't mean it has to be in a week or in a year, but I mean, would you like to just max out this facility? Would you like to be in a bigger place? Would you, would you like to have another location, another community? Like there doesn't have to be a timeline for it, but like, what would be the
4: dream? Um, that's a good question. I do, I do have a very specific answer for that. Well, short term, I got short term and long term. Short term is I would like to be able to just um, just handle the majority of the business for the gym and not have to train the client, not have to train the clients. I want to be able to train the clients if I want to, um, but not have to. So I want to be able to afford to hire enough staff. To take care of training the clients, um, take care of um, managing the facility as far as you know, keeping things clean and organized, and um, and I can just take care of the marketing and scheduling and um, you know the sales. That's kind of my short-term goal. I'm not there yet because I still do a lot of the training and the classes and run all the class schedules. So, um, so that's short-term. Um, Long term, I would like to max this gym out to 100% capacity. I would like to um, be able to have my classes have like a waiting list. I want people to be able to, you know, sign up for my boot camp and be like, oh, shit, I didn't make this week. I got to sign up early for next week because it's full already. So I want to max this gym out and I would love to get um, a bigger facility. You know, I'd like to try to stay in Long Island um, because it's just easy to manage you know, spots that are close to each other. So I would definitely like to make extreme fitness. I know it's not a, uh, it's not a new name. There's probably tons of extreme fitnesses all over the place. I wanted to pick a name that was, that was commercial, that was mainstream. Um, So that's why I made extreme fitness LI to try to differentiate my Long Island um, gym from any other extreme fitness that was anywhere else. Um, So I would like to own, other extreme fitnesses and you know maybe have you know my daughter run one and you know my son is a football player he's getting ready to go to college um, and then maybe when he comes out of college have him work and yeah, I, I, I just want it to be a family a family business and be able to make money off of my passion for the rest of my life and be able to have my kids um, be able to take from this and learn and be able to create their own income in the future.
7: Fantastic, sir. Those are some great goals. And and I have no doubt that you have the work ethic and the passion to do it. So it's just, it's going to be a matter of, you know, it's not if, it's just when. So um, last question before we got to let you go, sir. Um, I always ask this for for, for my guests. If you could go back, if there's any moment, something you could tell yourself sooner, something that you wish you could have known or, or done a little bit earlier, right? And that doesn't mean you regret where you are now, but is there anything where you're like, Man, if I knew this, it would have just, you know, the process would be different or is there anything like that that stands out to you?
4: Yeah, I can be very specific about that as well. When I was training at LA Fitness for those four years, I built built a clientele. Um, My clients liked me. I was very personable. And they enjoyed training with me. And I was getting very, you know, very popular. After I left LA Fitness, I did a few, I had a few clients that I trained like on my own. Um, so I had a client base, and the thought went into my head of, you know, maybe I should try to, you know, do my own thing. But I was scared. I was really scared. And I wanted to do something that would get me a paycheck, you know, because I wasn't really getting a secure paycheck. Like I said, I was doing, Um, other stuff in the entertainment business and I was working as a trainer. So I didn't have, I was kind of doing my own thing, but it wasn't secure. I wish at that time I would have left LA fitness and, you know, looked into getting a loan and starting my own gym with the clients that I had then. Yeah, it would have been tough. um, But I think that process from then until now, I would have had clients that would have definitely came for me then because at that time, I was doing pretty good as far as fitness goes. And I, I even I, I worked uh, I worked a stint at Blink Fitness as well. Um, that was great too. That was just for like six months. But had I done what I'm doing now, back then in 2013, that was seven years prior to, you know, when I started, I think at this time talking to you now, I would be a, a multimillionaire with several different gyms, or at least have it, you know, downpacked by now. So I just didn't trust in myself and didn't believe in myself. So you know, my thing is, um, anybody out there who's thinking about doing it, just believe in yourself and just put in the work. It's not gonna happen on its own. You know, I really take time and I watch motivational videos from from people and that really helps me continue to stay focused. So, you know, I say any I say to anybody out there who's thinking of starting their own gym or their own business. You know, don't be scared. You're gonna fail. You may or may not fail, but you'll never know unless you give it a shot. So that's it. I
7: love that, man. And I will tell you, and hopefully this means, means something to you. I talk to people on the air, off the air with, with gyms of various degrees of success all the time. And the the one characteristic, when we talk about this, that comes up over and over is the people who are eventually most successful all say something similar. They're like, man, I have the passion. I have the work ethic. The only thing I would change is I would have just done it sooner. I would have just believed in myself sooner because I'd be one, two, five years ahead. But other than that, everybody's just thankful for the lessons they've learned. They go about, nobody's like, oh, I would have done it different. I would have done it. The, the most successful people without a doubt are like, I would just do it sooner. I would just have a little more faith in myself and just jump in. So I think that's a good good sign for you, for sure.
4: Appreciate it, yeah.
7: All right, man, last question. It's gonna be a lot easier than that one before we officially let you go. If people wanna find you, uh, Instagram, Facebook, website, give us all the handles so people can check you out.
4: Okay. My Instagram is Chris underscore Norris with two S's or extreme at extreme fitness only because I'm about to change it. So it's at extreme fitness, L I, um, that's my Instagram and my website is www.extremefitnessli.com. That's with an X, not with the E in the beginning. And, uh, that's it, man. Check out my website. Um, I do have an online program for anybody who wants to do online training, um, with some really great exercises. And, um, yeah, just just follow me on IG.
7: Yeah. And if you're uh if you're listening to this, if you're a trainer and you're in that southern Long Island area, anywhere near like Belmore, Massapequa, that area, and yep. you're thinking about finding a good place to train, be on the lookout because Chris is going to need some good help.
4: Exactly. That's that's very true. Thanks, Dominic.
7: All right, sir. I appreciate you coming on with us today. It's been a pleasure. I wish you continued success.
4: Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. It was great talking to you.
7: You're welcome. And to everyone out there listening, as always, we appreciate you. We wouldn't be here without you. We hope you found value and inspiration in hearing Chris's story today. If you want to hear more, click the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. To everyone out there in Jim Lord's Nation, keep working hard. Keep changing lives. Jim Lord's out.